Here's Middleton. Giannis trailing the lob. Oh! Run. Two on one. Green the finish. Wow, the alley Turned the corner. Inside! He made Yusuf Nurkic a screensaver. Here comes Murray. Alley up to Gordon. Oh, what a play! All right, joining me now is Dane Moore of the Dane Moore NBA podcast covering the Minnesota Timberwolves for us here at the Alley-Oop. Dane, thank you for stopping by. Has it been fun covering the Wolves lately? Uh, yes and no. I mean, broadly, it is. It's uh, This is my seventh year uh, on the beat. And so they've, you know, lost lost to Denver in the first round last year and Memphis the year before as, you know, seven and eighth seeds which is very different than this. But then, you know, I go back to, to when I started and a lot of losing streaks, you know, <laughs> yeah. even pre-Anthony Edwards and, you know, all, all of that sort of stuff. And so I get from, you know, a lot of friends and stuff like, oh, what, you know, what's what's this year like, Dane? Like, because everyone here locally, is, this is completely unprecedented territory. Like, whoa, the Timberwolves are good. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, it's easier, man. It's just easier. Yeah. Like from from what I do, what what, what you do, it's... It's a lot easier to be able to like go into the locker room and not have to ask the question of like, why was this your ninth straight loss? You know, what, are, <laughs> what have you been, what have you not been doing differently? That is, you know, that's just, it, it gets in the way with some of the relationships with the players. And what I've really noticed is, uh, which I find really helpful for my job is being able to, even when the microphones aren't on, you know, being able to ask some of the guys some more like specific questions. Sure. Because which we'll get into, you know, the wolves are, are doing a lot of the same things, having success in a lot of the same areas and struggling in a lot of the the same areas. So to be able to, you know, two minutes, be able to just like talk to Mike Conley or Rudy Gobert about what I'm seeing and don't understand. Uh, that's, that's really helpful. And that stuff, you, you get a lot more of that when you're, when you're number one in the Western conference than when you're number 13 or whatever. So it's oh. been fun. Absolutely. The content just, it flows like water a little bit more. It's uh, it's more easy for people to talk. It's more easy for people to listen. And mm-hmm. and the relationships get a little bit better in this situation. So yeah. nice, nice to be able to foster that early. And then you get to be the person that's been around, like even during the losing streaks. And you get to, you get to mm-hmm. sort of reap that benefit. Because now, Minnesota's 33 and 14. We're recording this on Wednesday before the game tonight against Dallas. Uh, Luca and, and Kyrie are out. So we'll see what happens with that one. But uh, I was looking at the numbers uh, similar to last uh, last time we talked. They're fifth in point differential, 16th in offense, first in defense. They were fourth, 16th, and first, respectively, last time. So not a ton has changed from the, the profile. And I, I feel like a, a lot of the conversation that we had last time in terms of, hey, how are they going to approach the clutch offense? How are they going to approach uh, things where – game gets kind of tight it, it feels very similar to that especially yeah. i was a couple stats here for you quarter by quarter offense i'm sure that you guys have, have looked in depth on this one before 10th in the first quarter 18th in the second quarter 17th in the third quarter 27th yeah. in the fourth quarter <laughs> um, so what what's going on is it like a rotation pattern is the sphincter just tightening what's going on <laughs> uh the biggest thing is the wolves have spacing issues okay. um they they don't have a, a group that has as much shooting as as previous seasons. True, and uh, and teams are picking up on that and and loading up on Ant 
and Cat, who are heavy downhill to the basket guys. Yeah. And um, the the most egregious one is uh, Kyle Anderson, who was such an important part of of this this team uh, a season ago. He's really the only guy from day one who immediately had a chemistry with Rudy Gobert offensively finding him. I mean, Cat did too, but uh, the only new guy, I guess, who had that. Right. And and Kyle Anderson has stopped shooting threes, and teams have picked up on that, um, which gets in the way of a lot of the stuff that, that he was doing uh, offensively. And then a lot of the other bench pieces too. Jordan McLaughlin's not necessarily a shooter you need to – you know, or that teams are getting out on and and respecting Shake Milton. Right. Basically, whenever the Wolves have just often are trotting out two or three non-shooter lineups, and in fourth quarters, um, teams are loading up even more on trying to take away the two main areas in which the Wolves are looking to generate offense, which is through Carl and through Ant, and the turnovers have skyrocketed because. You know, now if your aunt going downhill, you're going through maybe three guys to get yeah. all the way, you know, man. And he could cook the guy on ball every single time. Like, that's not an issue. But is is he cooking them and then going to where the gap help is? Or is he or is he going away from the gap help? If he does get away from the gap help, is he then uh, able to effectively navigate the low man help at the rim? And he's mm-hmm. really struggled with that. The teams have really brought that in more and more. Uh, similar but different with Carl. You know, he's kind of attacking in different ways, but again, needing to navigate gap help and low man help because teams are just packing it in there. And in the fourth quarter, um, you want to run through those two guys. And when the Wolves have ran through those two guys, they turn the ball over or they don't make shots. And before the Oklahoma City game on Monday, uh, I know the numbers were from Christmas to what would have that been like the 28th or something, January 28th. So like a month, Carl was four for 15 in the clutch and Ant was four for 15 in the clutch and nobody else on the team had taken more than like five shots in the clutch. So what actually happened in the Oklahoma city game was they, that was a clutch game close at the beginning. And the wolves had four possessions in sequence that uh, the first one was a Rudy post up. Second one was uh, a Nikhil like step through into wide open mid range jump shot. Mm. He hit that. Third one was Jade McDaniel's in the corner, hit a corner three, and then the fourth one that kind of sealed the game uh, was the play that made the whole big deal about Ant getting fouled by Shea was <laughs> was a clean drive to the basket, which was the story. This is my what I talked about afterwards. Was I was like. <laughs> That dunk was great. Yeah. It was a product of actually having spacing and empowering the other guys that surrounded Ant on the floor, the three previous possessions, so he could go through the lane uninhibited for a game-sealing dunk. Um, so I would say, as we record now, we're coming off of a game that it was better, but it's it's the number one concern with this team. Offense, specifically fourth quarter offense, because they are struggling to do that with any efficiency. Yeah, and that's always like, it's it's hard to say that one thing is going to be like, oh yeah, that is definitely going to transfer to the playoffs. That is definitely going to be this thing that that pops up as a as a problem because mm-hmm. rotations are going to change, lineups are going to change. There could be a trade deadline move that's made yeah. for this team. Better that, be uh, could provide some some serious spacing, and we'll we'll just have to we'll have to play that as it comes. Obviously, mm-hmm. but. I do think that the one number other than the fourth quarter scoring that I'm looking at is this team is now back to dead last in turnover rate on the offensive end from uh, on basketball reference. And that's not good because I, the, 
where I think about that first is that Memphis series where that it's, it was just like Minnesota couldn't get out of its own way. And like mm-hmm. Mike Conley is one of those guys that should be helping in that Anthony Edwards, Carl Anthony Towns is a guy like guys who are evolving and getting better and more mature. This should be less of an issue than it has been. But if that spacing is going to cramp everything, the turnovers are just naturally going to happen when they're trying to do too much. It, it, it just it's it's plain as day if you're watching that that's what it is. And and you also have as good as Ant and Cat are at a lot of things, they're just not good at that. That's yeah. just not one of their strengths. And and the hope is repeatedly doing it over and over again. You know, you're learning some lessons and now you got some good tape from that OKC game and you can be like, oh, look, like proof of concept. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's funny. Like they made the Gobert trade at, as a reaction to the Memphis series. On the record, mm-hmm. you know, Tim Connolly, Chris Finch, all that. They... In that series, the most egregious statistical thing was they got crushed on the offensive glass, yeah. and they didn't do a good job of defending the rim. So they go, you know, problem solved. Rudy Gobert, right? <laughs> but what was also an issue in that series was turnovers and late game offense. Yeah, and because those issues attached to Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards, um, who were on the team back then too, sure. uh, even on a team with better spacing. Uh, back then and that that issue remains so I don't I don't think they necessarily turned a blind eye to that I think they prioritized rim protection and defensive rebounding in in getting Gobert and Gobert was also available right like yeah and it's worked like like we we can we can sit here and and criticize hey this is like solving one problem and creating another or maybe Mm -hmm. not solving a different problem but that has worked and the, the defense is tremendous and I, I keep looking at the defensive profile for this team and like if, if there's one thing that this team is always going to be able to hang their hat on it's that and like you got versatile defenders as well and I'm, I'm trying to think man is a team going to be able to break them in a playoff series is a team going to be able to break down that I, I don't know like maybe, maybe but you've still got Anthony just, Edwards and J.D. McDaniels the on the perimeter like yeah and, and I would put Ant as like the fourth or fifth best perimeter defender on, right. on this team you know, like oh, Nikhil, and, I, I completely yeah. forgot about Nikhil. Nikhil and, and, and don't sleep on Mike Conley either. Yeah. Like mm. in bits and pieces, you know, he, he can do it. Um, So it's yeah. When, when I think about the playoffs, like we're not having the like, is Gobert going to get exposed in the playoffs? Yeah. You know, defensively sort of conversation because Different conversation. the more the more you watch Rudy Gobert and understand what it was and what it wasn't in Utah, you, you realize it was a it was a product of how they were using Gobert. And Gobert wasn't getting cooked in isolation. Like, that's not what it was. He doesn't. He still doesn't. He's, he he's is the, great. He, he is he, crazy He's not only good. one of the best bigs at He's the best big at defending in space, I think. I mean, him and Bam, you know, I guess, don't want to take away from that. He's certainly up there. But he's up there amongst anyone. Like, in, in the clutch, mm-hmm. when he's like, okay, I'm going to get up. Like, I'm going to call this switch. I'm going to do it. There's not – I don't have concerns about – that going into a playoff series that a team's going to be able to put Gobert in action. And all of a sudden the wolves are going to have no defensive answers for it. Like that's not it. It's the offensive side of the ball. It's everything we just talked about. Like if you want to talk about the wolves being a paper tiger, like your first three arguments need to be about offense. It, yeah. That it, in my opinion, I, I just, this team's pretty bona fide defensively and particularly, man, just anybody listen, like, you get a one of those weird league pass notifications like nail biter in the Wolves game. Like turn it on and just watch the Wolves play defense in in a close game in the last five minutes. It's really 
it's really fun. And as we know, like kind of becoming somewhat of a lost art in um, oh, yeah. in the NBA these days. The, the, the final possession that Ant had, I don't even remember who he was guarding and one Bridges. of the most. Mikael Bridges. It was yeah. Mikael, yeah. Mm-hmm. Where he's he's just shadowing him and, and shuffling his feet as, as mm-hmm. quickly as I've ever seen and athletically as I've ever seen anybody do it in a clutch situation like that. Those are the fun moments. Those are the fun moments for the nerds for sure. Where yeah. we're like, yes, this is the lost art that comes from basketball. This is absolutely a, a tremendous thing. And, and he he deserves a lot of credit for stepping up in those situations, as does the rest of the team. So that's as do the refs. As yeah. do the refs. They let it like Ant Ant will turn that on sometimes, you know. If somebody gets hot, he'll just be like, all right, I got like he'll switch with McDaniels or Nikhil or something like that. And he'll be like, OK, I'm going to take him for these next four possessions. And he'll often get called for like fouls in that because he he moves his feet, but he leaves no space. He yeah. reaches a little bit and it gets called in earlier in the games. But in the late in the game, they let a lot more of that go. And then Ant becomes if he is the fourth or fifth overall perimeter defender on this team, he might be the very best option to put in that situation and that's just the that's perfect for ant because i mean ant is not i don't think ant is an elite defensive player because i look at it in the aggregate you know there's tons of times where he you know he has the classic lapses of focus and all that sort of stuff but winning time that you put him in that position that's pretty buddy so that's why it's it's just the the way they've built around him defensively is as great as it's been problematic the way they've built around him uh, offensively. And it's it's a it's a fair trade-off and and maybe it's the right trade-off for now. Uh, yep. we'll we'll see what happens in in a playoff environment, but uh, let me ask you this. So we we just got the news, I think whether it was earlier today or yesterday that Anthony Edwards was fined $40,000 for comments made about officiating. It was I think exacerbated by that play that you were talking about obviously where mm-hmm. he there is a legitimate picture of Shea Gilgis Alexander grabbing onto his arm while he's dunking, and then the last two minute report only exacerbated that fact and that reality, which is very annoying. From the, the which, to be clear, the league side. said it wasn't a foul on the last Great. two minute report, which Great. <laughs> just you know gasoline it, it, on a, the fire. The Wolves fans were already thinking it's a and, complete and utter sham. Is is what the last two minute report is. Um, <laughs> but let me be honest, like. This to me is a very distinct reminder of the process that comes with earning national respect and earning national renown. And it's unfortunate that a team has to go through that and you can't just like call things as they are. Uh, But I, I remember Denver going through this and I remember them going through this in the bubble, specifically against that Lakers team where it didn't matter what Denver was going to do in that series. They were going to lose it. And like they, they were probably the worst team, but it just didn't help. And you, you have to go through those, those tough situations. And I think Minnesota, despite the fact that like they are the first seed, they are clearly a team that is earning it in real time. They're earning this respect in real time. And yet I feel, I still feel like the national narrative on them is still, we got to wait and see with this group. And then maybe that comes with, with this lack of respect here. I don't know. So I, there's an element of truth to being the team that is on the come up, not getting some of the respect when it comes to calls. And you're right. Bubble series is a good example of that. What I think about 
a lot more, and I think it's a lot more productive to put your energy into, particularly if you're Anthony Edwards or or Carl Anthony Towns, but I'll start with Ant, is the way in which you are drawing fouls. And there's a there's a frustration, I think, that Ant has where he is getting fouled. Like that that play is an example, like getting fouled. But Ant is a fast player. He yeah. is an explosive and when it happens and whether he gets fouled or doesn't get fouled, it happens in a split second. Whereas Luca, or I think a lot about Harden, more similar body types to Ant, but significantly more deliberate. And even when they're not doing the floppy stuff, there's an element of in that body type, you're going to draw a lot more block blocking calls than yeah. you are going to get anything else because it's the way in which you position that body so as to get hit. When you're doing anything fast, you're going to miss more of it. I, I think that's just an element of, of this story here. And I think where Ant, at 22 years old, is in his head is he's, you know, he's looking around, he's watching other games, he's seeing other highlights, and he's seeing guys like Embiid, you know, get a bunch of calls. But he's not necessarily delineating how those calls are made. And I think Jokic has has some of that going on, too, where he's learning how to find that like kind of middle ground of what is the best way for my game and my body type to draw fouls. Now sure. it's kind of annoying we have to all do this, but this is right. part of it. It's just is part yeah. of the of how it works is how do you play and in that style of play, how do you best draw fouls? And to what extent should you maybe just ignore those so as to just focus on finishing through contact irregardless uh of the whistle. And I think Ant needs to just come to more grips with that nuance of, of what the situation is for him because it's killing him on the other side, man. The amount of times, again, if you just turn on a Wolves game and it's the beginning of the third quarter and he doesn't get a call and he's talking to the ref and it's swing, swing, and his guy is, you know, wide open for a three as he's not back in transition, you know? Yeah. Um, that's hard, you know? We, we've all played basketball and had that frustration about not getting it. And not getting the call, but you gotta like be able to flush that to move on to the next the next possession. I know that's like dad talking at you, waving your <laughs> finger, but it, it's but it's true. It is true. And yeah. when you're at this level, the level the wolves are at, trying to compete for contention, um, the little things are even even more important. And much like the late game offense, you hope Ant is able to learn and grow and be able to, yeah find the most efficient way uh, to do it. But I think it, it has to do with understanding how his game is different and how his, he plays like De'Aaron Fox, but weighs 50 more pounds than him. You yeah. know, that, but, I mean, that's, that's also the, the joy. And uh, in, in my opinion, that's also the joy of being able to watch him though, of, of seeing somebody that size move that way. And you mm-hmm. want him to be moving quickly. You want him to be exploding to the rim and doing all these athletic yeah. things. And it's unfortunate that he may have to tailor his game to what is like acceptable for NBA refs at this point. Mm-hmm. And that's a, that's an unfortunate reality that I guess like, some of the best young players are going to have to go through, but and I, mm-hmm. I, I guess he's no different. So let me, let me ask you this last thing here, trade deadline stuff. Like we, we mentioned it a little bit earlier. I, I don't know what kind of resources the wolves had like tradable contracts and things like that. It doesn't seem like there's a ton because most of the, most of the players that are on the roster, you're, you're, you're hoping you take with you to the playoffs and into a playoff mm-hmm. series and hoping for that. So 
Is there anything on the horizon for this team? Do you think where 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 do you think they can go that can help? Them? Yeah, um, it's it's pretty clear what we've all been kind of told through black back channels is um, it's one of three things: it's a backup point guard, it's a bucket getter, or it's a movement shooter. Mm. Um, and it's to add that uh, to the second unit, uh, perhaps in place of one of the the current pieces, per- perhaps in place of Kyle Anderson, who is your biggest expiring salary. They have. Kyle Anderson at nine, um, they got Shake Milton at five, and they got Troy Brown Jr. at at four and a half. That's kind yeah. of their ways to to match up a matching salary in a not extremely hurtful way, without like you know putting in Nas or Jaden or sure. anything big and crazy like that. So it it you know you do the the salary matching stuff on that, and you ask yourself you know how many picks is it. The Wolves have no first that they can trade. They have a couple swaps they could put in there, first round swaps. It's not nothing, but it's kind of nothing. Uh, and then they only have four second round picks. They do have the Grizzlies second round pick this year, which will be like 35 or something like that. Yeah, so that holds yeah. that holds some value. Um, but it, it, it becomes the question of you can probably only get one of those three things, the backup point guard, the bucket getter, or the movement shooter. Which one are you going to choose to attach a couple second round picks to you know your um expiring contracts to and personally I, a lot of people point to backup point guard and that's because this team has been a disaster when mike conley's off the floor and yeah. a lot of them point to your buddy monte morris um mm-hmm. and do the Good tim one. conley tie and and all that stuff and i'm not saying that would be bad i just wonder Again, what you were talking about earlier with the playoffs and rotations and stuff, like Mike Conley's going to play 35, 36 minutes a game in the playoffs, or he did last year. He's largely been healthy this season. I think that backup point guard thing answers the your regular season questions. Yeah. Um, whereas a movement shooter, which is my preferred means here, you know, that's more, maybe that's more expensive. You know, the Luke Kennards, the Alec Burkses, the, the those type of guys – that seems like a wiser place, all things equal, to invest assets, in, in my opinion, because I think it could be beneficial in the playoffs. And you're a team that should be caring about that. Then there's the bucket getter one. I think Finch wants that. He's always had kind of the affinity for that guy. He's tried to make that happen with Jalen Noel last season, Shake Milton this year, to no avail. Maybe needs somebody who's got a little bit more pop um, sure. in that way. Bones Highland is a name. That's brought yeah, up there too, yeah. again, for the Conley connection, but also he's just kind of rotting at the end of the, the Clippers bench there too. So I'd, I would say those are the three things, and those are some of the names that, that are there. I'm pretty firmly in movement shooter camp, though, personally. Yeah, I think that probably makes the most sense. It's probably also the the highest variance option, which can help you yeah. Like in, in an offensive playoff series where maybe the defense doesn't hold up quite as strongly, like you need somebody who can give you a little bit of extra pop. Like mm-hmm. that's the one and like hitting three threes in a quarter that could really flip a game. So and the backup I, point guard is the lowest variance. Yeah, that, agreed. Like that's the one that's the steadiest regular season option, as you mentioned. So no, it, it makes and that could be buyout, too. I, I think they can get two of those three things. Mm-hmm. Interesting. You know, they have an open roster spot. They're about two point three million uh, below the tax right now, so provided they don't take back too much salary in the trade, I think a veteran point guard, backup point guard, could be had on the the buyout market there while 
keeping them below the tax. That's kind of the way, you know, I'm thinking about it, but I'm just also not certain any player that you trade for, for backup point guard or in the buyout market for backup point guard is going to for sure be better than Jordan McLaughlin. Yeah. Who's the second longest tenured player on the team. Very familiar with the system, very familiar with the personnel, totally flawed. It's like five, nine, there's issues <laughs> there, but um, the numbers have largely always bared out that J Mac helps. And uh, it's, it's weird. I, I, I'm in a pretty different stance than I think a lot of the other people who are you know covering this team or I hear talking about the trade deadline. I get a lot of Tyus Jones, uh, you know, trade ideas sent my way. And I'm like, I, I love Tyus, Minnesota guy. Like, yeah, sure. Loved covering Tyus. Good dude. Absolutely. Uh, good basketball, underrated basketball player. Should not be referred to as a backup point guard. Um, but, you know, you could you could get me a lot more into that idea if it was a long-term thing and it wasn't just a rental, but you start talking about anything long-term and signing another contract, anybody on this team, we got we can't have that conversation without talking about aprons and shit. So, um, <laughs> you know how that goes. That's so, it, it's guy. just complicated. <laughs> it's, it's going to be interesting, but that's just the pain of being a contender and you got to navigate the ins and outs of it and Minnesota's yeah. firmly into that conversation and uh, mm-hmm. I can't wait for the next time we talk when when we get to chat about like playoff matchups and things like that. Yeah, it's going to be going to be really fascinating. I'm I'm really looking forward to it, man. But well, he, he and is, we'll have some Wolves Nuggets conversations too. Oh. Maybe have you come over on. I mean, those teams I think play three times in the last like three weeks. Yeah, this season. Which I hope there's something to that. Like there should be. <laughs> like that should be for like the one seed. Um, but I've been let down by early April basketball too many times to, to bank on it being fun, but we'll, we'll for sure talk then too. I think, yeah, you guys, you guys got back Denver in a, in, in early April back in a, back in 2018. That's one that, that yeah. Nuggets fans will <laughs> always true. remember. Very uh, morose. Josh Gibson, baby. <laughs> <laughs> he yeah. is Dane Moore of the Dane Moore NBA basketball podcast. Really, really appreciate you covering the Minnesota here for us, man. Uh, let's no chat problem, soon, man. Right? <laughs> Anytime, right?